love that Sarah and Davis have for each other. I can't believe I get to marry him. We're perfectly compatible in every way. Yeah, she just gets me, man. Someone to talk to all night long. Someone to talk to all night long. Early morning jobs. Sleeping in late. We'll spend the holidays with my parents. We'll spend the holidays with my parents. We'll have one well-behaved daughter. We'll have four or five little dudes running around. He'll help me pay off my debt. I should probably tell her about all my debt. Is that important? We'll share a bank account. Obviously, we're gonna share a Facebook account. <laughs> do I need a friend my in-laws? Someone to do my laundry. Someone to do my laundry. Double income. Stay-at-home dad. Meal planning, of course. Take out. The city. The burbs. Mission trip. Ski trip. Blue. Red. Cat. Dog. Fries. Rings. Potato. Potato. Minivan. Motorcycle. Two words. Finished basement. Two words. Man cave. Oh, he's so smart. Do you think that birds wish that they had hands? We're going to be so happy. We'll be so happy. I'm gonna crush it at being a husband. Praise God. <clears throat> Hope you have a nice little break. We're gonna spend some time here in this session talking about what every marriage needs. Uh, if I were to ask all the married couples here what you think your marriage needs, and you know, I think we'll have a lot of legitimate answers. Like, we need a new home. We need, I want my home to be safe. Or we need a new car. We need uh, insurance. We need uh, uh, love. We need to communicate more. We need more money. We need to set some goals. All those are legitimate. But I believe that, uh, that we need to define what our marriage needs. What are the needs of our marriage? And it can't be so spiritual that you... You kind of squeeze out the things that are very important. The word need means something that is required because it is essential or very important. It's something that is required. What does your marriage require right now to succeed? See, a lot of people don't define it. They let it just kind of go, and it's important to define that your marriage needs something. No matter where it's at, no matter where your relationship is, it needs to go to another level. There's another level. And that's something that Tanya and I strive to do. Every successful marriage I know, they're striving to do. You know, I love when I see an elderly couple that are like, you know, they're seasoned in life and, you know, obviously in the 70s, 80s, 90s, I've seen them. And they're still in a, in a walking in the mall or walking in the park or walking in the airport holding hands. It's like, wow. This, you know, it blesses me when I see that and it's like, I want to have that kind of longevity, and I think it comes to really, truly defining what I need, that we have not arrived in our marriage. In the 15th century, Spain led, the, led the, the world and took really over the world, and they realized, hey, we have, we, they, they conquered all of the different countries, and their mentality is that we have arrived. We're at this place where we have arrived, we are, we, it's it, there's nothing more. And it was so defining to them that they felt like it was over. They put it on the, on the money, on the coins, on the currency, and they put the words, nothing more. And I started thinking about that because later on they found out that there was more land, there was more world to be seen, more world to be conquered, and they realized they had to change it, so they changed the words on the coins from nothing more to more beyond. There's more beyond. And I just want you to know today, 
There's more beyond what you have experienced in your marriage. There's more beyond marriage and, and, than children. Then, you know, matter of fact, your marriage should be more important. Your spouse should be more important to you than even your children. And that's hard for people to swallow. That's hard for people to accept. But the reality is you need to know what, what those needs are to meet your, the needs in your spouse's life to take your marriage more beyond. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, if we're going to do this, we can't do it according to the world. And Romans 12, 2 says, don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know what God's will is for you, his good and perfect will. You see, I talked about this earlier. One of the things that Tanya and I realized we needed is to communicate better. And so we started having those conversations, and we're in that process right now. We're in that process of knowing that we need to talk more. We need a... Uh, something I call the communication refresh. A refresh is simply this. It's a new strength, breathing new life into something. It, it, it actually means blowing away the cobwebs. Some of us need to blow away the cobwebs in our relationship. We need to learn to be better at communicating. And this is a big need in many marriages and in relationships because there's not a lot of real communication happening. You know, uh, <clears throat> for instance, how you handle issues in your, in your marriage, in your relationship. How do you tackle the ups and downs that happen within your relationship? How you speak to each other is so important. And a lot of people don't realize that we need to be better at communicating in our marriage. The average relationship lasts over 1,004 days in average in America. It's interesting to understand this. The average marriage, 50% um, of all marriages, we've heard this actually is higher than this now, ending in divorce in our nation. 64% of Americans have gone through a messy breakup in their relationships, and a lot of it comes back down to we're just not properly communicating. We don't know how to communicate. And it requires doing some work. Everybody say work. So for some it's a remodel, it's a refreshing of your relationship. Now, one of the things I love, and maybe there's some people here that will admit, I love HGTV. Man, I love HGTV. It's one of those signs that you're getting old, but it's also just a, a it's, I just love it. But I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you, some of these shows, uh, don't be fooled by this. Don't be fooled by these shows because well, a lot of times we see these um, shows on HGTV, Flip or Flop or, you know, um, uh, Property Brothers, Fixer Upper and all these shows. They, they're really unrealistic because <laughs> the, the reality is it takes much longer to build a house and to redo a house than what they show you. If you ever rebuild a home, if you ever refresh a home, if you ever built a home, you know it takes a lot more than what you see on HDTV. The same is for a family. The same is for a marriage. It's normally when you build a home, and we've built some homes before, it costs you way more than what they normally say. It normally costs you more. It normally costs more time. You've got to be very patient. There's so many things that happen. The same is with a marriage. If you're going to rebuild your marriage, you've got to be willing to pay the price. It's going to cost you something. You've got to be patient. Everybody say patient. First Timothy chapter 3, verse 4 says we must manage our households well. That word manage means we must guide 
supervise, deal with our household well. And the same thing in the house. If you go home today and your refrigerator no longer works or the stove stops working or the microwave no longer works or the toilet breaks, you don't move out of the house because the toilet breaks. You don't give up on the house like, this house is, I'm out of here. No, you repair it. The same when it comes to marriage. In your marriage, your stove may not be working. In your marriage, the toilet may be broken. In your marriage, there may be some things, the refrigerator's gone out, but you don't throw away the whole marriage because the refrigerator is not working. The Bible says this, and it's real, and I get it. Here's what I'm gonna be honest about, I get it. Marriage, some marriages are struggling. Some people that are here right now, your relationships are struggling. You're at a crossroad. This may be it for you. You've decided, we're coming here, if it's not this, then I don't know what uh, after this. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad God brought you here. But the Bible note lets us know that we will come under these kinds of challenges. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8, it says, We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. It's not over. You're being pushed. You're being, it's hard, but it's not over in Jesus' name. The Bible says that our house is built by wisdom and becomes strong through good sense. So if I listen to that, what is it that I need in my marriage? I need wisdom. I want you to say this out of your mouth. Say, Father God, I thank you for wisdom. The next thing it says is we need good sense. Say, I need, say God, I thank you for good sense. Somebody needs to thank God for that. You need some good sense. There's been some, some things that are not made any sense. And then it says, we need knowledge. Say, God, I thank you for knowledge. We need these things in our life. Because if we don't get communication right in our marriages, what happens is communication, lack of communication or bad communication produces conflict. And conflict is not what you want to build your marriage upon. And there's so many people, they're in conflict with one another in their marriages. We have never lived in a time where there's more means of communication. But the most, I mean, we, we can communicate now. I mean, it is amazing. It, we got Google, we got our phones, we got texts, we got instant message, we got DMs, we got, you know, all of these different ways of communicating, but yet we can't talk to one another. Matthew 15, 18 says, but whatever words come out of the mouth comes from the heart. And this is what defies and dishonors the man. See, a lot of couples are not communicating. They're doing a lot of talking, but they're not communicating. They're launching verbal missiles at each other. Shut up. You shut up. I hate you. I never liked you. Go on and on and on. And we think that's talking, that's communicating. No. Communication is this. I want you to hear this clearly. Communication is the process that allows people to know each other, to relate to one another, and to understand one another. Are you truly communicating? Are you trying to understand one another? I've been there with my wife, and I just, this is the thing I found out with my wife, 
I, I cannot win. I talk for a living, but I cannot out-talk her. I talk for a living. That's what I do. But I can't have a, a I'm not going to win. And, and so, and I've been in this place where I've been trying to like, when she's talking, I'm like, uh-huh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You say you think you're listening, mm-hmm. All you're waiting on is you're just kind of creating your own argument so you can come back at her. You're not listening. You're not trying to understand her or him. Try to understand them. You know, it got to a place where I, I knew I could not, I could not talk her because she's good with words. And, and, the, and, the, and then at the same time, I'm looking at it, sometimes it's sexy too. Like you fussing at me sexy. So I'm trying to, you know, separate this and I'm supposed to be angry with you right now. I'm mad with you, but girl, you fine. And I remember, let me give you a tool. Let me give you a tool on how to communicate when you're one, one another. And you're talking and you're both sitting there and maybe one spouse talks a lot and like, you know, and you can't capture it. Here's one of the things that, that we started practicing early on in our marriage, and we don't have to do it as much now because it's, it's, we've gotten to a place where we know how to do this, but I will still pull out a tablet and write down my thoughts so that I don't forget them so I can honestly listen to her when she's communicating to me to understand. And so I'll come back and say, let me get this straight. Um, you said A. Um, B, um, I don't listen to you. C, um, you're tired of me doing this. So I'm, I, I, I may have that kind of dialogue, but sometimes we, if you're just trying to remember it and you're going to come back and you're going to say something, that's not going to be healthy. Communication has to be built on the right foundation. Here's some important things to understand. That communication is not out yelling one another. Communication is like not who's going to get the loudest. Communication is not winning the argument. You see, you can win the argument and lose your marriage. Communication is this. Clear, good communication in a relationship and marriage is when someone can tell you how they feel, what they think, what they hate or dislike, what they fear without being judged or criticized. Can your spouse tell you what they dislike, what they are afraid of, what's concerning them, and not be judged? Amen. Come on, say amen, somebody. This is good stuff here. This is the best you're going to hear all day right now. I'm telling you, get it in you. This is what real communication is, is they, they, that she can come to me and tell me things, and there is a time to do it. There is a way to do it. She doesn't come to me and try to have a serious conversation with me while I'm watching football. She knows it, honestly. I, you know, it's just not the time to come and say, hey, can I have a real serious con conversation with you right now? I know you're watching the 49ers, but uh, can, you talk, uh, can you put that on pause right now? It's like, come, 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 come. Now, if it's serious, I know, I already know. If it's serious, I'm not going to just sit there and watch football or basketball or some sport and say, can I get to that later? It's serious when she says, I really need to talk to you. I really need to have a conversation with you. Amos chapter 3, verse 3, uh, verse 3 says, how can two walk together unless they are agreed? How can two walk together unless they are in agreed? 
And here's the deal about communication. Communication is not just talking at one another. There's multiple ingredients to communication. My wife makes uh, this dessert called the honey bun cake. And um, now come back, come on back, come on back everybody, come on back. I said honey bun, that just took you somewhere else. You're like, well honey bun, yeah. But she makes this, and, and every time I, I, um, I taste it or someone I watch taste it for the first time, they all have the same response, like, oh, they do a double take, and they're like, what is in this? And I love to watch her explain. She's like, oh, that's just so simple. It's just this ingredient, and it's that ingredient, and it's this ingredient, and that. And it's like, it's very simple ingredients to make this delicious thing. And the same with communication in marriage. You gotta know that there are different ingredients. There are simple ingredients. For instance, um, communication is both verbal and nonverbal. Verbal and nonverbal. Most people just think communication is verbal, but it's verbal and nonverbal. And here's, here's the important research that's been done. 34% of a message impact is determined by vocal delivery. So you may have the most, you may have your words put together, and you're saying, I'm telling you this, and I'm telling you that, and I know this, and it's the facts, and it's that. Only 34% of what you say makes the impact of, of the outcome of true communication. 7% of a message impact is determined by its content. 7% is determined by the content. The content may be accurate, but it's not what makes communication the best. 55% of a message impact is determined, listen to this, by nonverbal actions. 50, over half of what you're communicating is determined by the nonverbal actions. Lip smacking, rolling your eyes, hands on the hip. You know what? All of that. You are communicating, I'm not listening to you. You are communicating, this is not important. And so I got to sit there and I have to sometimes take it for the team. I got to sit there, and I got to not always have my, I'm listening. <sighs> oh, my gosh. Oh, there you go again. You, it's not going to be successful. Amen. You got to have love. You got to have love. You got to have patience. So I got to be careful of how my expressions, my body motion, how I'm sitting. How, you know, if I'm sitting the whole time, I'm like, hmm. You wait, I'm, I'm listening, I'm listening. First Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 says, love suffers long. It is kind. It does not envy. It does not parade itself. It does not puff up. It does not behave rudely. It does not speak or seek its own. It is not provoked. It thinks no evil. It does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. It doesn't, see, Communication and love does not say, see, I told you that was going to happen. I told you. No. But love never fails. But whatever, whether prophecies, they will fail. Where there are tongues, they will cease. Where there's knowledge, it will vanish away. Back to conflict. That wherever there is pure, poor communication, it will lead to conflict. And when conflict is not resolved, it leads to offense. 
when you don't resolve conflict properly, it leads to being offended. And I cannot tell you one of the worst feelings, and I know you know this, one of the worst feelings is to be offended by or offended in your marriage. Living with somebody, walking in the house and sleeping next to someone, and there's a fence in there. That is the enemy. That's the devil. And right now, matter of fact, I pray, and I pray that God will just deliver you from the offenses that are in your marriage against one another. We've got to be honest. And here's what causes some of that conflict that leads to those offenses. Um, and and we've got to be careful with the type of communicators that we are. What kind of communicator are you in your, in your relationship? They're screamers. We got some people, they communicate and they scream all the time. They're loud and emotional. Then there's the silent communicators. <laughs> Amen. Silent communicators, they're unexpressive. They are saying something without saying something. And then you ask them, what's going on? Nothing. Something's happening. Because I feel this tension. I feel this tension between us. I, there's nothing. And then you sit there in silence, punishing your spouse with your silence. Then there's the sarcastic communicator. The sarcastic communicator is they, they have these humorous comments and harsh comments that comment at you. And they're always sarcastic and they don't, you don't feel like they're really hearing you. They're making fun of everything. Then there's the, um, the spiritual uh, communicators. Now, it's good to have the word. It's good to have God. It's good that you're led by the Holy Spirit. But at times, I need you to stop being so spiritual and talk to me like a man or a woman that I married. You know, you speak in King James all the time. I don't understand that. The Lord told you that the Lord told you I had to do this, but why didn't the Lord tell you to pay those bills when you're supposed to? <laughs> or take care of your chores? All of a sudden, you're spiritual, and then when I start to t try to tell you, I bind you, devil, I bind you. <laughs> spiritual, you know, as, as saved and holy as you are, spiritual communicators can also bring division in our marriages. You'll be so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. Amen. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good, that it may minister grace to the hearers. So one of the things in terms of communicating, I got to make sure that I'm not using language, an abusive language, or, you know, demanding, or, or just, you know, you do what I tell you to do. No way. That's not what we committed to. That's not covenant. It's not cursing at each other. That's not covenant. Abusively, uh, you know, uh, criticizing one another, that's not covenant. Let nothing come out of your mouth. NLT says it this way. Let everything you say be good and helpful, that your words will be encouragement to those who hear you. When's the last time you honestly communicated true love to your spouse? True encouragement, good words to them, just thanking them for doing something, not always asking them to do something. 
but thanking them. You know what? I'm thankful for you. I really am thankful for you, sweetheart. I love you. When's the last time you, you, you complimented your, your husband? On, not just on something simple. Sweetheart, thank you for working. Thank you for taking care of this house. Thank you. That's all, that's all I want to just do is say thank you. Just appreciate them. Let them know they're doing a good job. Stop pointing all the things that are bad and communicating all the things that are not doing good and find one thing they're doing good. When we get this right, oop, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, when we get this right, it creates that covenant that God says. The enemy can't bring separation in our house. The Bible says in Mark 3, 25, a house divided against itself cannot stand. So we got to get together. We got to come in one accord. We got to be in one accord because the devil, this is his strategy. This is his strategy. John 10 and 10 says this, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Um, but Jesus says, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I want you to hear this, what I'm about to say. The devil's agenda is ultimately death. We see this. His strategy to bring about death to anything his strategy is conflict. His method is offense. So his goal is to kill your marriage, to kill your relationship, to make it dead. What he does with his strategy is he brings conflict. And the method that he uses to carry it all out is offense. And so this is why we must guard our hearts. This is why I can't be listening and watching every kind of all this foolishness on, that comes in this world today because I cannot allow my heart to be pulled away from the promises of God's word. Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of life. It determines the course of life. I shouldn't be satisfied in this place where I'm offending people and being happy about it. If you're offending your spouse and you're happy about it or you don't have any kind of heart about it, that's, that's just the wrong spirit to have. You know what? I'm, you know, I'm sorry you offended. You ought to be careful with those words. I got to get to a place where I'm not dividing my home with my words and with my communication. Um, 2 Corinthians 13 says this. Verse 11, dear brothers and sisters, I close my letter with these last words, Paul's saying, be joyful, grow to maturity, encourage each other, live in harmony and peace, then the God of love and peace will be with you. Encourage each other, encourage each other. Let's stop falling for the trap and allowing our house to be divided and creating bitterness and creating grudges and resentfulness and all of these things that create these offenses that we have. And offense is an interesting spirit. It's amazing um, that we get offended. We get offended with our spouses. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I bet you every single one of us in here at one point in our time, we've been offended by our spouses. And it's the enemy's trap to bring death to our, um, to our marriages. Um, offenses. A real fence is simply this. You see a fence put out in front of a house or a building or a business. A fence is a boundary. It means a boundary or a barrier that excludes the keeping someone or something out. So when we create offenses in our life 
is keeping someone or someone out. This is why we cannot be offended in our marriages. This is why we need to learn how to communicate better so that the fences are not building up. Why? Because we're keeping our spouse out of our life. It's amazing. We have our girlfriends in our life. We got our parents in our life. We got our children in our life, but our spouse is not in our life. And it's not the big offenses. In fact, I have a, I have a fence here. It's, 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 it's not the big things that I'm talking about right now. I mean, I get it that you get upset if your spouse has forgotten your birthday the last seven years in a row. You ought to say something about that. Like, my birthday, you forgot our anniversary for the last 20 years? You never remember? You forget every year? I get that you're busy. I, I get the big offenses. It's not the big things that I'm talking about. It's the little offenses. The little things that we allow the enemy to come in and trap us and put division in our marriages. The thing that you're most upset with your spouse for right now, offended with your spouse, I guarantee you it started just like this. Like, I'm mad at you. Why? I'm mad at you because you didn't say I'm sorry in my dream last night. <laughs> really? You upset about that? Um, you get offended by, you come and ask, you ask him, how does this look on me? You gave him permission to give you the truth. How does this look on me? And that, you know why he's like, mm, no, no, tell me, baby, tell me. What do you think? What do you think? I just, I need to know from you, how does it make, how does it, it look to you? Babe, I, I, um, I don't, Mm, you, um, you need a bigger size. How dare you? You so I hate you. You know what? You're fat also. All your stuff need bigger sizes. You see, it's the little things we allow to come in and creep in and create this division. Um, Jesus, in the book of Luke chapter 17, verse 1, says, Then he said to his disciples, I want you to listen to this, it's so powerful. It is impossible that offense should come, but woe to him or them whom they do come. So Jesus says that offense, opportunities to be offended are going to come. It's going to come. Here's the deal. You've got to know the heart of your spouse. And if my spouse is coming to me with something, I got to listen to them and not be offended by it. I got to listen to it. You know, yesterday we were at, at the airport and, and I was getting a sandwich and, and I asked for um, an extra ingredient on, my, on, on one of my sandwiches. My wife said, mm-mm. She didn't even have to say much. She wasn't even looking at me. I didn't even make eye contact. I heard, mm-mm. I could get offended, like, wait a minute, this is my sandwich. I'm ordering. You order your sandwich. No, no, I'm listening to her. Why? I'm not going to allow that to trip up my, I'm coming to do a marriage conference, and I'm mad at her over some extra bacon. <laughs> yeah. 
Jesus says it's impossible. And look at all the opportunities, the enemy that, that comes up in our life, real situations, real stuff. We've got to guard our heart above it. The Bible says guard our hearts. See, God's word does not promise us that we will not have um, a life uh, without problems, our marriage without problems. But we've got to learn something. And here's one of the things that the Lord spoke to me earlier um, this year, and I've been practicing this, and this is something I'm, I, I'm, I'm so serious about as we close this and get ready for lunch. Um, but one of the ways that the Lord taught me something this year about how to keep marriage strong is this. We have to invite God's presence into our marriage. I want you to hear me out here. Your marriage is not working often, not that you don't love each other, not that you don't have all the right tools and things, but one of the things that's missing in marriages today is that we have not invited the presence of God into our marriage. We invite his presence into our life. We invite his presence into our financial, our miracles we need. But can I ask you, have you honestly invited God's presence into your marriage. Psalm 1611 says, you will show me the path of life. Listen to this. And in your presence is the fullness of joy. It's the fullness of everything I need is in the presence of God. In the Old Testament, the presence of God lived in a box and they, they, they carried and protected that box. But I just want you to know now that the presence of God no longer lives in a box. The presence of God lives in us, and we must bring his presence into our marriage. We need to bring and invite his presence. Listen, I want you as husbands and as wives, as friends in relationships or whoever you're in a relationship with, you are carriers of the presence of God. And why that is so important, because where God's presence is, is the fullness of everything I need for joy in that relationship. God's presence needs to be invited into your marriage, not excluded. God's presence needs to be invited into your bedroom. God's presence needs to be invited into your communication. You're struggling and you're having issues and you will continue to have them as long as your marriage does not have God's presence sitting there. It's not something to control you. It's not something to be scared of. It's something to lean into. When my wife, with the presence and the calling of God that she has in her life, and me, I have the presence of God and calling us on my life come together, we're, listen, we're unstoppable. The devil can't stop us. There are things she has in her that I don't have, and there are things I have that she doesn't have, and we got to understand that, and it's inviting God's presence to help us see that. We're like the, there's an old cartoon years ago, um, super Friends, and they had, and the Super Friends in the Justice League, remember the Wonder Twins? Anybody remember the Wonder Twins? And they had the Wonder Twin power, and it was a brother and a sister, and they would like hit hands and, and, and Wonder Twin power activate. You as a husband and you as a wife need to bring God's presence in, and when you bring God's, invite God's presence in your marriage, you're activating something. You're activating that the devil cannot. All of a sudden, he realizes, oh my gosh. So that's why men, we need to be men of God, not just a good man. You need to be a man of God. Women, you need to be women of God. When you invite 
God's presence into your marriage, it's a difference maker. He helps us, he leads us, he leads us. He helps us to do things that we can't do on our own. Oh my gosh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. We gotta be, in we gotta be intentional about it. Intentional about the presence of God in our life. Intentional about the presence of God in our marriage. Not being afraid of it. When I started to do this, there's years ago, Tanya and I had a conversation. We had a huge challenge in our marriage. And it wasn't from infidelity. It wasn't from we weren't in love anymore. But it's understanding that there was some need she had in her life that I wasn't recognizing. I was so busy doing ministry, so busy trying to be the best preacher and the best teacher, I was missing some things in her. And I'm so grateful for a wife that had God's presence enough to be bold enough to tell me what was going on. And so one night she asked me, can I talk with you? And I was like, sure. And I didn't know what was coming. What's coming, she said something to me. Initially, I'll be flat out honest with you. I, I was scared because I thought what she was saying was something we both said that we would never ever do, and that was have a divorce. My wife came to me and said, Lee, I need to talk. And she says, I don't know if I can do this anymore. And I'm like, first thing came to my mind was, what? You don't want to be married to me? Well, actually what she said was, I need to talk to you. I want to share something with you, and you can't fix it. Because I'm a fixer. I'm the one that has the answers. I have all the solutions. I got a principle for this and a principle for that. And she knew it. She says, I need you to listen to me. And so she began to share things with me that she needed in her life and communicate to me. And I'm grateful that she had the Holy Spirit to speak to her. And eventually I was able to listen to the Holy Spirit and not the fear that the enemy was trying to share with me. And she says this. She says, I, um, I want to just do something that's not church related sometimes. She says, I'm not even my, I don't have my own identity. People come up to me and call me Mrs. Lee. And I have a name. I, I want to do some things on my own. I want some things I want to do. I want to be proud to do some things. She says, I want to go to a concert from time to time that's not in church. And then she said something to me that she might as well should have told me, I want you to learn Chinese. At the time, that's what I thought. She's like, I want to go dancing. I'm like, dancing? I, I don't. See, this is the thing I want to tell you. Don't believe this. All black people can dance. Don't believe that. Are you looking at why I can't dance? But she's like, I want to go dancing. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you might as well just ask me. I don't know. I'm just like, I'm a preacher. Preachers don't dance. I'm a, I'm, that's what I'm thinking. All this stuff is going on in my head. And I'm trying to like listen to her, but I wasn't. Thankfully, I did. Because here's what we did. As we listened to the Spirit of God, the presence of God that was in our life personally and in our marriage, we were able to hear God say some things to both of us. She got a counselor. She got a therapist. I got a therapist. We had a therapist. I had a counselor. She had a counselor. We had a counselor. 
I have my own separate counsel. I'm going to tell you this. I cannot speak enough about this, that there's nothing wrong with counseling and therapy. Good counsel and good therapy is good for you. It's good. And you can't deal with it by yourself. can't keep it to yourself. I believe in the Bible. I believe in the Word of God. But I know that God has called some people not to preach, but some people, they got the gift of the counselor and the therapist on them, and, and, and God put that in them to help us. And sometimes we're too proud, and we want to fix it ourselves. If you could fix it, you already would have done it. And so we sat there. I sat in counseling and listening I never sat on that side of the table. I've always been on the other side. And I was always like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now I'm sitting there, and I'm hearing things my wife is saying that I had never heard before. And I'm thankful for the Spirit of God because the Spirit of God began to teach me some things. And I had to be patient, and I had to be willing to lean into what her needs were. She needed me to be present other than a pastor and a preacher. So we started going to concerts. You know, not some crazy stuff. We start going to concert that we're grown, grown folk stuff. Amen. Come on, come on, amen. There's some grown folks things that it wasn't always, it wasn't worship. I mean, we worship afterwards. Amen. But it, but it, it, was, it was amazing. Then we, we, she's like, we would go to certain events and they would have like dancing afterwards at the certain events. And, and she's like, I want to go dance. And I'm like, I just don't know how to dance. I'm going to give this a try. And I, I remember one, and she loves to dance, and she can dance. She can dance, I can't. But I'm sitting there watching her one day, and she was dancing, and I'm like, I don't know what to do. So I decided I'm going to do this. I'm going to snap my fingers, and I'm going to move side to side. Now, this is what I did. So I started doing this. And I found out when you move your lip like this, you know, because I'm watching her. This is where I came from. I'm sitting there one day and I'm like, man, this is good because I'm watching her and I'm not lying. I was like, this girl is so incredibly fine and sexy. And she's sitting there doing her thing. I'm like, mm, girl, mm. <laughs> So that's what I do every time. And she, she's okay with it. She do all her things. I'm just watching her. I'm like, you're fine. You're fine, girl. But I lean into some things that she needed. But I would have never done that if I wouldn't have listened and set myself and submitted myself to someone, but more importantly, submitted myself to the Holy Spirit to help me. God wants to do that for us today. Your marriage needs some things. Your spouse needs some things. And you need to listen to them. And you need to allow them to be able to be honest with you. And if they can't be honest with you, then bring someone else in the middle of you and say, we need a mediator. Someone that can help us navigate this. The purpose of our marriage is not to, to, to be over, but the purpose of our marriage is to grow and to go to the next level. And how can we do that? And when you understand that, you start seeing that there, there are needs. There are needs. There are needs that your spouse have. And there are needs that your spouse uh, needs you to do. And if you don't meet those needs, the enemy will present someone or something else to meet those needs. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying that's what's going on. And we have to find that place in our hearts where we allow the Holy Spirit to come in and bless us and speak to us and lead us in our marriages. Let me speak to this last need and I'm going to stop. There's a need that men have. One of the greatest needs we hear all the time. Men need sex. They do. And you always say, why do you always ask? Because he needs it. God made him that way. 
And you can find it throughout scripture and it's, it's, it's there. And, and matter of fact, your part of your assignment in marriage is to fulfill one another sexually. That's a need in marriage. First Corinthians 16 and 16, first Corinthians six and 16 says that there's more to sex than mere skin and skin. Sex is a more spiritual mystery as is written in scripture to become one. There's a power, there's power in sex and marriage. And let me say this to you, you're never gonna meet that need with pornography. You're never gonna meet that need uh, searching outside of your marriage and, and you wanna be in that place where you want. And here's the thing about sex and marriage, and amazing how we talk about sex and the need for it in marriage and people get ashamed of it, Christians get ashamed of it, God created it. It's nothing we should be ashamed of. The world has perverted it, and the world has corrupted it, but God made it. It's a beautiful thing. It's nothing to be ashamed of. It's nothing to be shy of. It's something that's a beautiful thing. God created it. It is good. But it's important to understand that we both have different needs when it comes to sex and marriage. And to meet that need is not just saying, I want to have sex. As a matter of fact, um, I want to show you. I want, I want to show you something in terms of the difference between men and women when it comes to sex. Men, um, I'm going to show. Men are like microwaves. Men are like microwaves. Women are like crockpots. <laughs> they have different needs. They fulfill different things. A man, it doesn't take him long to be ready to go. A woman. She needs time. She needs you to vacuum. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> um, she, she, need, she, she needs to be warmed up. She needs to be, um, it starts in the morning. It doesn't start at night. She needs to hug. I used to think hugging meant we ready to have sex. No, 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 no. She, she, needs, she needs to be hugged. She needs to put her cold feet on you without you wanting to have sex every time. Amen. It's a beautiful thing. He, but he needs you to be there present with him. The Bible says this in 1 Corinthians 7, now for the matter you wrote about this, it's good for a man not to marry, but since there is such uh, much immorality, immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman should have her own husband. The husband should fulfill his marital duties with his wife, likewise the wife to the husband. The wife's body does not belong to her alone, but also to her husband. In the same way the husband's body does not belong to him alone, but also to his wife. Do not deprive each other except by mutual consent and for time, so that you may devote yourself to prayer. You shouldn't always be praying. Amen. There should be a time when you ought to um, be there for one another. Matter of fact, God doesn't turn his head away or close his eyes when it comes to sex and marriage. God is blessed by it. The Bible tells us that God, he created this. God wants us to be intimate with one another in sex and marriage. So here's, here's something for you. When you go home tonight, I want you to go home and please God. Bless him. Amen. Amen. Praise God. 
Oh my gosh, there's so much more to say, but I have to stop because uh, we got to have lunch. But uh, I, I appreciate you. <laughs> my man said, keep going. Food can wait, man. Keep talking about that sex, dude. Keep. I need that right now. I need that. <laughs> no, no. I think, I think we're going to stop because we got more to share in our next session. But I just wanted to encourage you of the needs. And I want to pray for that right now. I want you to bow your heads. Father, I don't know what these relationships need. I don't know what these husbands need, what these wives need, but Lord, I know you do. And Father, every marriage needs certain things. It needs patience and communication, intimacy, and listening to one another, trust, support, protection, honor. Lord, whatever those needs are, I pray that you meet those needs. I pray more importantly, Lord, that the husbands and wives and those in relationships uh, potentially to be married or engaged or want to be married and dating relationships, that they're sensitive to first meeting the need that you have for them, and that is you to worship them and put you first. And Father, I pray that that happens first, that every man and every woman put you first in their lives and then invite your presence into their life. And that presence that's in their life, Lord God, they release that presence into their relationships, into their marriages. And Father, I thank you that not one single person will be lost because of this. But Lord God, they'll be found because of this message. Give them the courage to be bold, the courage to speak, the courage to listen, the courage to change, the courage to adjust, to be flexible towards their spouses so that, Lord God, the covenant that you put them together will succeed. We give you praise and we give you glory, Lord. Nothing will come before you. Everything, Lord God, will be based around you and our love for you. And I pray for the blessings of God, the needs of God to be met in every marriage and in every relationship here. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.